0: It was, it was a little bit weird because it's like, you know, hmm, how many adjectives can I use in here? And then you have to stop and think about, you know, blocking where are your characters, how many legs do they really have? How many hands are in this scene? I think there's one too many, you know, if you kind of have to go back and, and worry about that.
1: Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy... But it's also sassy, and it's silly, and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco, and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, (laughs) see what I did there, conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Janet Walden West lives in the southeast with a pack of show dogs, a couple of kids, and a husband who didn't read the fine print. A weird dog show chick in her downtime, she's also a founding member of the William the Million Words craft blog, a two-time uh, Pitch Wars alum and Pitch Wars mentor, and a Golden Heart finalist. She writes intersectional sexy times, romance, and boss girl fantasy heroines, Her debut, multicultural contemporary romance, Salt and Stilettos, is out now from City Owl Press. Her urban fantasy short stories are available in multiple anthologies, and her new urban fantasy romance, the Region 2 series, is out now. Janet, welcome to Scheme Scenes. Thanks for being here.
0: Oh, thank you for inviting me.
1: I'm, like, super stoked that you're here because, like, I write romance. I also write urban fantasy. Yay. So I feel like... Yeah! <laughs> and, and I'm actually very interested in the urban, like, urban fantasy romance. I've never heard that before. And, I mean, it's been paranormal romance or urban fantasy. And so I'd love to sort of talk to you about urban fantasy romance because I'm intrigued.
0: Whoops.
1: um so what how how is it different from PNr
0: my completely unofficial um, seat of my pants definition would be for me paranormal it seems to mostly deal with um, shifters werewolves um, even vampires that sort of thing and there's a lot of faded mates involved okay. and for me urban okay. fantasy seems Still has it. Still has elements of that, but um, there's also a little bit more action, and you've probably got humans involved,
1: right? Okay, that's a really good. Um, it's a really that's a really good. Actually, it g- gives me a lot to think. So, okay, so here's the thing. So, I <laughs> I wrote a piece for an anthology that is supposed to be coming out in September. I Yay. think um, for, and it's it's urban fantasy. Uh, and I'm just trying to figure out what to do with it now that I've written it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, because once the anthology comes out, it was for a friend's Kickstarter, right. and I can just kind of do what I want with it. And it's a story that I've wanted to write for a really long time. But now I feel like I'm pretty entrenched in the romance world right now, so I don't know that I want to bounce back to urban fantasy because it takes me forever to write things. So, annoying the club. <laughs> so I'm
2: trying... Oh, yeah!
1: <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out like what to do with this thing and how do I make it a romance. And so, I'm, so for your urban fantasy romances, because now you've got two in the same series out, correct?
0: Yeah, well, I will have the second one out at the end of the month. Also, there's also a novella. So, okay. Technically, I guess. I okay.
1: So you've got, the, so are you doing that thing where it's the series, but you have like every, every book is like a different character?
0: Um, that was the general idea, but since I am really, really awful at doing things the smart way, (laughs) um, (laughs) the first two books actually feature the same couple, and then we move on to the other members of her team.
1: Okay, explain to me how you do that, because my envisioning with this particular book that I did this, you know, short for, for the anthology, was going to be one character, because I just wasn't... If there was going to be romantic elements. It wasn't going to be a romance. Mm-hmm. So I was just going to follow this one character over a series of different books. And then I was like, well, maybe you should do it as a, you know, a PNR. Um, but now I'm loving urban fantasy romance mm-hmm. so much better. Um, and, so, and, but then I'm like, Oh, but then I have to switch up the characters. And so I would love to, for you to tell me like how you did it with the two same characters. Like what, how did you, did you break them up and make them up? Like what happened with
0: that? Um, in the anthology or in the series?
1: In the series, Um, all of the above.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, With the series, the first book is follows you know pretty traditional patterns. They meet for the first time, you know. It's very much an opposites attract, enemies to lovers, and um, typical you know black moment, and then they get back together. In the second book, um, I threw a few more real world problems at them whereas the first book it's more dealing with the fact that um, one has just found out about this world of cryptids that they had no idea about
1: oh oh I like that oh I like, so that's the, that's sort of the, the sort of elephant in the room that threatens to break them up mm-hmm Oh, that's really cool. Oh, I really like that. Okay. I've completely jumped ahead, so we should probably start at the beginning. <laughs> when did you realize you wanted to be a writer?
0: Um, I have always loved reading. I was that kid that was in the corner, you know, reading animal books and then Jane Yolen um, when I was young. But I never thought of myself as a writer or thought of it as a career because for me, writers were these people that were on this like pedestal, and they were like the most awesome people ever. And I just kind of fell into it. The joke is um, it was brought on by sleep deprivation because uh, I had just had um, my son and he was one of those babies that wanted to uh, nurse like every 15 minutes. So nobody's getting any sleep. And I had stayed up. I had stayed up binging on a series that um, I really loved. And then we got to the end.
1: Can you tell us what can you tell us which series it was?
0: Um, it was actually Vampire Diaries, and I was not... hey, Go ahead.
1: totally okay with me. I love the show. I... I've never read the books, but I love the show.
0: <laughs> no, I haven't either. But yes, so I loved it, but I was not crazy about the ending, and it was like, you know, oh my God, I will just, I, anybody could write a better ending, and I started writing, and you know, spoiler alert, it is not that easy to write a good ending, and mine was not better, but that's how I started <laughs>
1: Game of Thrones. Yes.
0: Oh, don't even. I, my dragons are dead. I, no.
1: That was the worst last season. I mean, it wasn't even, I mean, the ending was a disaster, but the whole last season, that was the worst. I was actively angry the whole last season.
0: Exactly. Because we were So excited. Even my husband got in on it, and usually he's like, eh, pop culture, whatever, you know, anything like that. Right. All so into it. And then that season happened. (laughs)
1: Oh, my God. I I had to, like, um, watch that you know that the big battle scene mm-hmm. that happened it was like you had to change the settings on your TV because the whole the whole thing was so damn dark you couldn't see anything
0: yes yes, yes. it was like and you had to
1: change your settings like to brighten or di- like whatever it was so that you could actually see what was going on i was like who made this thing i know <sighs> we were we did this cuz it wasn't it wasn't the ones that did it like before <laughs> How could something that was so great become such a disaster?
0: I know. A friend of mine said, you know, I really think that episode, that scene was so dark because they didn't really want people to see it.
1: (laughs) The CGI was bad and they were like, we just make it really dark. No one will notice. (laughs) Okay, so I'm curious, whatever happened to this first book that you struggled with the ending for, did it turn into one of the books that you released, or is it sort of sitting in a drawer somewhere?
0: Um, it is sitting on a hard drive. Um, like I said, I never do the smart thing. You know, I had not heard, hey, don't write a series if you're not published yet, because who knows if it will ever get picked up, and you've wasted time. So I actually wrote that book, um, and several more in that world, in that the first one um, was the manuscript that i submitted to pitch wars which is an online right. twitter event and kind of mentoring program so i had no idea i had, i think maybe i had just gotten on twitter and i saw it and it's like oh this is cool i could send it in and get some feedback having no clue and uh, <laughs> and luckily i was chosen that year and it was like okay let's start at the foundation and rip this thing apart because you have problems so, um,
1: ouch, yeah, ow, ow, um, okay, so, this first book, or or let's say the book that you submitted to Pitch Wars, Mm -hmm. was this romance, was this urban fantasy, was this your urban fantasy romance, what (laughs) genre were you in at that point?
0: It is urban fantasy, and, In the first book, there's like, you know, some attraction between the heroine and one of the characters. And then in the second and third books that I wrote for it, it, it's full on romance. And they almost, I think, go more urban fantasy romance because if you cut out the romance, that would kind of gut part of the plot. So. Oh,
1: okay, cool. Okay. All right. Cool. So, uh, when did you start writing the steamy bits?
0: Um. Yeah, that was pretty much from the get go. Oh yeah.
1: You're like, yeah. I'm just right. Like, I'm just going for it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. right in. <laughs> Because I'm trying to think if you're if you're if you were kind of inspired. Well, at that point, were you still inspired by Vampire Diaries, or were there other um, authors that, um, or even you know, TV series that you were looking at and sort of going, "Okay, I'm getting some. I'm I'm digging this
0: vibe." Um, I think it was just like a mixture of both because I've always read urban fantasy, fantasy, you know, all of that, and you know, if it's on TV. I would watch it. And of course, you know, Supernatural, that is everyone's gateway drug, probably. I
1: love that. Yeah, I you know, love super, that show. Yes, yeah,
0: Supernatural, that, show. Um, that, a couple of the others that used to be on sci fi. And as far as authors, okay. um, Faith Hunter, of course, Kim Harrison, yeah. um, the yep. not True Blood, but the Suki books, those I really love. hmm. So I think all of that plays into it, and I think when you're a new writer, or at least for me and most of the people I've worked with, you kind of start out mimicking your hero's voice and style, and then it takes a while to work up into your own.
1: Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. It's so funny you you and I have the sort of same reading order. Like the <laughs> you know? um, I think I think the only one missing from um, from yours is oh my god, and I just spaced your name. Oh, I do that all the song. time. Anita Blake, and the Anita Blake yes. books. Um, yes, Oh. <sighs> oh my God, I can't think of her name now. Um, anyway, wow, must be getting old.
0: Um, <laughs> I have a list of books ca- list of, <laughs> of me with like names and titles because otherwise, you know, people will say, oh, have you read a book? You, you know, what's a good book? And it'll be like, Books. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What
1: is this thing you speak of, books? Exactly. Do not know what this is. <laughs> um, so, I mean, out of those, do you, out of out of sort of the the group of, of authors and urban fantasy authors, do you look at any of them and say, okay, that's really the urban fantasy romance world that I that I'm writing in? Because um, I know, like Anita Blake, writer name. Escapes me, please forgive me. Um, you know, I know that series would definitely not be considered um, romance. I mean, I think right. <laughs> menage or or reverse harem, perhaps. You know, <laughs> um, because there is a lot of quote unquote cheating. Um, <clears throat> I suppose you could call it that goes on. Yeah. And obviously, um, you know, Kim Harrison. That was kind of a slow burn on on her.
0: And, and oh, those are my favorites. I, I love. I think that's why I like. Urban fantasy and urban fantasy romance—they're so close together, and it always seems like it is mm. a slow burn, drawn-out relationship instead of you know love at first sight or faded mates right away.
1: Right, right. So, I so for your books, do you, are are you kind of dragging that out, or do you go for it in that first book? You see that that relationship happen. You've got the sex on the page. You've got the happily ever after, or I should say, for now at this point.
0: Yes. Um, with the contemporary and the romance that I have out now, yeah, both, we, we go for it in the first book. Also, you know, it, it gets kind of, at least by the halfway mark before anything really starts happening.
1: Okay. Okay. So, kind of curious, always curious, writing your first Steamy scene, mm-hmm. what was that like? Was it weird? Or were you just like, ah, this is fine. It's just like another day, sitting down and writing.
0: Um, it was it was a little bit weird because it's like you know hmm, how many adjectives can I use in here and then you have to stop and think about you know blocking where are your characters how many legs do they really have? How many hands are in this scene? I think there's one too many you know if you kind of have to go back and, and worry about that.
1: Yeah yeah the blocking is really that'll that'll do it. Um, so I, I mean would you How did it take you a long time to write your first gaming scene or, or, or or even, or even now that you're a little bit more seasoned with writing them too, like, is that, does it take you a long time to write it or are you just able to sort of like dash it out like anything else?
0: The first one, there was a lot of innuendo in the first one and it was fairly short and once. I had that on the page. It's like, okay, this is not so scary. It's not bad. And so it really doesn't take me that long to do them now.
1: Okay. All right. That's cool. Um, and because you're writing also with the fight scenes, mm-hmm. um, that, which is, I think, my favorite thing to write, um, even more than the, the sexy times, um, actually way more than the sexy times, um, <laughs> what do you prefer writing? Do you prefer writing the fights or do you prefer writing the sex?
0: I mean, honestly, honestly, it is what kind of mood I'm in that day, because sometimes it's like, oh, we need some sexy times, and sometimes it's just like, I need to blow some shit up today. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Did you have a hard time, because you did write a contemporary romance, Salt and Stilettos. Yeah.
0: Are you blowing shit up in that one, too? Gotta ask. Sadly, no. My (laughs) My heroine does have a taser, so we at least have that. Okay. The first draft of it I was one I actually sent into Pitch Wars again because, of course, the urban fantasy market had kind of like bottomed out at the time I was working on Mm -hmm. the first one, and I queried widely with very little interest, you know, or I should say interest, but, you know, the result was always, you know, this is great, but we can't sell it. So just... Out of pure frustration for a change of scenery, I sat down and wrote a contemporary, and then it's like, okay, this isn't that bad, and sent it into Pitch Wars, and again, I got in um, that way, and the first draft of the book, there is a stalker element, and the stalker did show up, and the um, hero was, you know, rushing in to save the heroine, and she ended up saving herself, and, you know, knocking a guy out, and (laughs) <laughs> My mentor made me cut all that.
1: Oh, no! Oh, no! You know why? Because it's our crutch.
0: It is. It's our it's crutch. It is. And she was also talking about, you know, this this is writing another line, which is a problem that you have as an author. Um, this is not um, suspenseful enough to be a romantic suspense, but it has too much in it to mm. really be a contemporary. Contemporary.
1: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, it's very funny because I find, you know, I, I have a very hard time trusting that the emotional conflicts are going to be enough for my characters. Yes. And so I get to the point where I'm like, okay, now we got to blow something up. Ooh. Like now, now, now we need, somebody needs to pull a gun. Like. <laughs> so. And it's like so hard for me to trust that the romance is, you know, the romantic entanglement is a big enough conflict and to just go with it. And it's, I always get the sort of itchy fingers on my keyboards to make something explode.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, I have the same problem. And so I'm
1: sort of really relieved to hear that you were like, yeah, and then there was a stalker, and then we <laughs> did this thing, and he got his ass kicked, and then you're like, and somebody made me cut it. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> um, because without that, I actually really do struggle with conflict in my writing.
0: See, I have the and same I don't know if problem. you do. I have the same problem, and whether it was the urban fantasy or the contemporary it was the same thing. And I think you're right about like not quite trusting that that the relationship dynamic is going to pull it off and and you need to you know stick in some kind of outside conflict.
1: Right. Right. I mean, and I guess you know in all like the some some, not all some craft books or you know, craft teachers, We'll talk about you need the outside conflict and the inner conflict, mm-hmm. and so the the plot point is the outside con- conflict driving the action, mm-hmm. um, but then there's a whole internal thing going on um, for with with the characters, and I don't and that I guess doesn't quite ring true mm-hmm. with um, with contemporary romance because it's sort of you know we have to position the characters as kind of their own worst enemies, right? <laughs>
0: Basically, yes. I mean, it was, it was a huge jump to go from fantasy to contemporary because it's like, there is no outside, you know, huge threat. Um, There's no, you know, looming vampire werewolf battle, whatever. So that was um, difficult to set up. So how did you end up doing it? Were,
1: were you just able to drop that um, that part and and still and still it was and realize that it was able to stand on its own, or did you have to do a lot of rewrites there?
0: Oh no, no, this was another one. Let us take this thing apart. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, I, oh, I so knew sorry. going I knew going in also when you first get those notes, and it's like, oh my god, how many pages of notes are these? <laughs> but um i think <laughs> i kept the opening we cut multiple characters um cut most of the middle because we had cut those characters altered altered the oh conflict and you know your, your darkest moment and completely rewrote the last three or four chapter endings and i changed it from first wow. person to third <laughs>
1: Oh, ow, ooh, ooh, okay, why did, why did you change from first to third? I always write first because I feel like I just get more into the I, characters, so I'm curious why you changed it.
0: Um, I do, too, and it's probably because, you know, that whole urban fantasy thing, it is so common, and um, my mentor was very direct, you know, the part of this is mentoring because you want to query, you want an agent, you want a traditional deal, and third person at that mm. time was the most common in contemporary romance, and which I knew and was trying to avoid because I had entered several RWA contests as well, um, because the big draw there is the judges give you feedback and a lot of the feedback okay. would be, I hate first person or I hate first p- person, but, so we knew going in Oof. that that was a problem. So, also, I don't know why, I don't... He... go ahead.
2: No, 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 go ahead, go ahead.
0: Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be because I also have a terrible habit when I do a dual point of view, male female. My heroine right. is always first person, and my hero is third. Um, mm. Yeah, and I've been
1: have, jumping back and forth on that.
0: Yeah, which is going to make
1: my edits a disaster. <laughs>
0: Um, I have seen it more in romance. It's, it's mostly um, self-published indie romance, um, but a couple of well-known authors do it. So we're not completely crazy. But yeah, and I, I'm not sure. I think a lot of it, you know, the first person heroine, it is so easy to get in her head. And first person is so common mm-hmm. in fantasy and paranormal. And maybe with writing the guys, it's not quite as easy to get in their head. And third gives you a little bit of dif- distance. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm
1: finding. Although I found I don't write I normally don't write dual point of view um at all. And and so um, I've gotten enough, feed, like, reader feedback mm-hmm. to know that I need to do, like, I need to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my next one, I'm doing a dual point of view.
2: Surprise!
1: Um, <laughs> surprise, everyone! Um, and But I keep jumping with him between first and third, first and third, first and I'm, like, looking over, I'm, I was looking over my draft today going, oh, God, it's going to be disaster to fix all this. <laughs> but... <laughs> Because I just can't decide like where I want to end up with him, if I want to keep it in first with him or if I want to go to third. I'm leaning towards third
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm leaning towards third. And again, I think it's like just to put that distance. Um, I, I feel like I, I feel like I need that distance. And again, I don't know, maybe it's a crutch. But I, what I was gonna say is I don't know how I would feel. About that feedback, you know, um, coming back, I hate first person, and you know, I it should, you know, because I mean, because ultimately, like, that's kind of a preference thing, and I don't think that that should necessarily be, uh, you know, sort of critical feedback. Because I know some people, like, honestly, I'm not a fan of reading third person. Mm-hmm. I like reading first person. I prefer, I prefer to read first person because I feel like I'm. I'm in it too. I don't, and I do feel like third person has me at the remove.
0: I agree. I do. Um, I don't know why I enjoy writing my heroes in third person unless it just really is that distancing element because, same as you, I prefer to read first person. But, and yeah, but the contests. Like I said, the whole point is to get feedback early on from multiple, usually published writers, maybe even you know, librarians, something like that. And it is subjective. Um, But then, the whole industry is subjective: what readers are going to like, what readers are going to hate. Yeah. So, I think it's one of those situations where you take whatever um, critique resonates with you and then you just lost the rest of it in the trash um,
1: well, well I mean you clear you know you were two time pitch war uh, two times through pitch wars mm-hmm. and then you became a mentor and I'm kind mm-hmm. of curious like what was it about um, the pitch wars that obviously you must have felt really kind of like an affinity towards it that you then said you know what I'm going to be a mentor yes
0: um, both Times in Pitch Wars, even though the first manuscript I submitted, um, the Urban Fantasy, did not, you know, get me an agent or a book deal both times. I had really great mentors. The first was J.C. Nelson and the second was Brighton Walsh. And they were both great about giving detailed notes, telling you why they felt something worked and why something didn't, um, handing out homework you know, to kind of study so that you would better understand what they were talking about or giving examples. I'm one of those people that learns best by examples. Um yeah. They were always there. They were always there for brainstorming. Um, it, it very much was a mentorship. And I had great experiences with both of those, even though, you know, it was something like, hey, here's 90 days to redo your entire book. Have fun. <laughs> But it really was a good experience despite that. And it probably was with the 90-day thing, too, because, you know, how often are you writing on deadline, whether it's your editors or your publishers? Um, Right. And part of the reason that I volunteered as a mentor was from that. And part of it was just in general, they probably wouldn't call them formal mentorships but I've been so lucky with workshops and just one-on-one with other authors who have been so giving and so supportive and willing to help out newbies. And it's one of those kind of pay it forward things if you can.
1: Right. Right. Well, I know on, um, the Million Words, which is a website, I guess that you founded. Did you found fa- you founded that with a few other writers, correct, or or you contributor?
0: there? Uh, we d- we founded it as a group. It was really funny. It. it was one of those things. We were at a, a convention. Most of us did not know each other. Uh, we all enjoyed, you know, fantasy, sci-fi, spec fiction obviously and had a couple of authors in common and it, you know the last day of the con everybody's just you know worn out tired hasn't slept much and we're in the last panel and we're standing talking afterwards and it's like this has been so great you know conventions give you this kind of energy and renewed determination to write when you get home and someone else said yeah i wish we could do this you know every year you know get together and someone else said well i have a vacation retreat. And it kind of went from there. So the group, that critique group, which did meet every year for quite a while, um, turned into into the Million Words blog.
1: Amazing. That's really amazing. Well, you did a post that really, like, sort of jumped out at me about how you read almost 200 submissions for Pitch Wars. I was like, holy shit, that's a (laughs) lot. Um, (laughs) I know. um, And 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 one of the posts that you did, uh, in this post I should say, um, you talked about where you know after reading two hundred submissions, you were able to discuss where writers got <laughs> tripped up on their openings, and I was like, oh, this is really fascinating, and I'm wondering, and you might not because you I I'm I'm assuming you're not reading full manuscripts on these submissions. These are just like send me your first twenty pages or whatever, correct? Yeah, uh, basically
0: basically it's send a query letter, a synopsis, and you know, your first chapter. First chapter, first ten okay. pages. That kind of thing. And then But I see. was kind
1: of wondering. Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
0: Um after that, it, it really is kind of like being an agent or an editor because you read through these and after that, you know, hey, do I want to request more? Do I wanna request fifty pages, the whole thing to go through?
1: Hmm. Okay, so that's kind of the process, right? Um, so, since you know you saw where that where writers got tripped up in their openings, mm-hmm. I was wondering if you had a sense of where romance romance writers got tripped up in the steamy scenes. Like, what should we be looking out for when we're writing these things?
0: I mean, I think the most obvious thing is you know, positioning these these people can't do this like that. People, bodies don't go that way. You <laughs> paranormal bodies don't been that way. But other than that, um, I have a big issue with consent. Um, I realize that, you know, a lot of people's kink is um, dubious consent or um, kidnap yeah. fantasies or whatever. And that is perfectly fine. But for me, consent is important. Um, like having a real connection is important my just for me my sex scenes start way before the clothes ever start to come off because i want you feel like this intimacy between the couple before anything else really starts working for me you know and i realize okay. other people are like you know just like get up against the wall and bang it's great but mine, i always have to have a little bit more of a lead in to find it sexy
1: so for you what makes that sort of the intimate moments not necessarily the sexy moments but the intimate moments like what do you like what do you like to see between the characters
0: it's really great when it's early on in their relationship and they're letting those barriers down and letting the other person see what they're really like what their fears really may be especially if it revolves around having a relationship that's always fun okay cool um
1: So, sorry, I'm just sort of like, my head is like, wow, what else can you ask her? What else can you (laughs) (laughs) ask her? So I'm just going to do the lightning round while I'm trying to, like, collect my thoughts. Witches, shifters, or vampires? Go.
0: Mm, I'm going to have to go with shifters.
1: Oh, tell me why.
0: I love that idea of having, like, a dual personality, getting back to nature, that kind of thing. I love it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> now, have you written a shifter romance or a shifter's uh, storyline?
0: Um, yes, there, there are several in um, things that are not published yet, and they are, I think, in, they are in two of the three short stories I have in, in anthologies.
1: Oh, that's really cool. I know you have, the anthologies were kind of blowing my mind. Like you were in one with Faith Hunter and I was like, <laughs> holy shit. Uh, how did, okay. There's was major heavy hitters um, that you were writing with in here. And I was wondering, you know, how? well, first of all, how did you end up getting in them? And then also, um, was there a takeaway for you um, as a writer by being included in these anthologies?
0: The very first one we did was a Benefit, anthology for a very dear writer friend who was part of our original group who passed away unexpectedly and as kind of a memorial to her we wanted to put something together with her short story the one she had just finished Um, and that is the first story in there and um, of course she was part of our group so Faith Hunter, John Hartness, several other Well-known authors also knew her and were generous enough to contribute towards that anthology. Amazing! Amazing! That's really cool. So, my biggest takeaway from those is you can edit and cut a lot more words than you thought you could. Oh!
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, what was what did you have a word count constraint?
0: Um, The first one we didn't, since. It wasn't a publisher, publisher, putting it out. We were all going in on that and uh, working with it. We tried to keep it like a reasonable amount, you know, just for paperback cost once it came out for readers. And the other two anthologies, yes, there were word counts. And I would stomp around swearing because I'd already gone over them. And this was my precious baby. And what was I going to cut out (laughs) of it? (laughs) <laughs>
1: Can I ask what the what, what the word count was and what you were and how many words you actually had? I'm very curious.
0: The first, I don't remember. The second one, it was like a ten thousand word limit, and it's like even the rough rough draft had like you know thirteen or fourteen in it. <laughs> so <laughs> I always write long, so and then have to go back and edit. So I knew I would have to, but there's still that stomping around because. Ah, oh, this editor clearly does not get my vision and wants to cut my words. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it.
0: Um, all right, so we did talk a little bit about
1: the urban fantasy authors that you've um, you've read, but I'm curious. Do you remember your very first romance? And was it like a PNR, an urban fantasy romance?
0: My very first romance. I was probably entirely too young <clears throat> to read it. But like a lot of other romance readers, my mom had the books. And so I think I was bored one summer and went through one of her stacks, probably when she wasn't around. And at that point, historical stuff was just so fascinating. And the first one I picked up, I liked because the it was a pirate one and the pirate was a woman. So I have. Oh, do you remember have, which one it was? No, I have no idea what the book title was or the author. I would love to find that again one day. Um, but that, that just intrigued me and fascinated me. And that's where it started.
1: Would you ever write a historical? I I would love to, but the research is oh, like yeah. I love research, but I go down the rabbit holes. I I would never get it done.
0: Yeah, I know. It would be like, "Oh my god, this is so cool. Wait, so is that? Let's click over to it." I would I'm like you. Yeah. I would love to write one, but you know, just the research involved in getting it right, that is daunting and
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I've always wanted to like I was like I would write a pirate romance. <laughs> and the pirate would be like for me. I was like, and the pirate would be a woman. Like that's exactly what I want to write, which is why I'm like, ooh, I want to read that. What what book was that? What book was that? <laughs> <laughs> which I'm like, oh god. Okay, so to you, to you, what makes a sex scene good?
0: <clears throat> I think it is that mix of emotional intimacy that the couple has. You know, they're they're kind of just like. peering into each other's soul kind of and then you know some some just good down and dirty sexy times you know maybe some sex toys in there having fun especially if it is someplace they should not be if you've got a wall we'll go up against that um i think the excerpt i said the first excerpt i thought about sending you was actually outdoors on a roof so
1: (laughs) Ooh, I like that. Actually, I want to back up. Let's talk about sex toys. I haven't put any in my books yet, but I really, really want to. Let's talk, tell me about this.
0: Um, <laughs> tell me more. The um, region two book that I wrote—that was the first time I had put them in there. Um, I had read. Oh, I'm going completely back. Rebecca Witherspoon. She does really great stuff with sex toys in her stories. And what oh, was okay. Well, wait, okay. Zini, I can't remember the, the title now. Um, I had picked it up a couple months before and it's like, there's sex toys galore in there. There's a chair, you know, it's like stuff. I'm going to have to like go online and research this. I don't even know what this is, <laughs> but it the, the book was so much fun. And even with all of the sex toys, there was still that intimacy um, and connection between the partners. And I just loved that.
1: So what kind of research did you do that when you put the sex toys in yours? Were you, like, at the local sex toy shop, (laughs) (laughs) digging through the bins?
0: (laughs) No, we we did not get to do that. No. But, you know, because there's a lot online. Like, you probably know about, uh, what is it, Smart Bitches Trashy Books? Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I, I love them. They are the best blog. I get so many of my book recommendations from their reviews and yeah they review sex toys every now and then and uh, that was a good place to start and there are a couple of like romance box services where it's like sex toys and um they pair it with a book i think it's Body bookworms. There are a couple like that, and those are a great. Oh,
1: I didn't know about that. Yes. Ooh, they I are, did not know about that. I'm I love those.
0: They have they have like a big box. that has got all kinds of stuff, and you know, sex toys, the book that it's paired with, um, you know, kind of things like that. And then they've got a smaller one that you can also do, but it's really great and it's fun seeing what they pair up. Um, the one that I first saw was the woman owned the heroine owned a vineyard. Um and she was, you know, very well put together, stylish. That was her armor, and the sex toy in the box was a vibrator, but it looked like a tube of lipstick. Oh god, that's so fun. I thought that was awesome.
1: <laughs> that's super fun. Okay, I'm totally gonna I'm totally gonna look that up and maybe like order a box <laughs> or two because that sounds like such a good time. Um
0: <laughs> in so many ways. Um <laughs> Romance writers you have to research
1: the best stuff, yeah. I know, don't we? There was a, I wish I could remember. It was actually um, a site that sold toys, but it had this sort of off to the side, almost like web web magazine. I think mm-hmm. that it went defunct though, probably because of costs. And it had, oh. like, it had the toy reviews. It had um, erotica. It had, you know, erotica fiction writing. It had, um, you know, some you know health and body image and like it had all of this stuff. It like it was a magazine essentially um, on on this sort of like other part of the website, and it was so cool. But I think that they stopped doing it because of, I I assume because of money um, because it didn't get updated for a long time Mm -hmm. and now I can't even remember what website it was, like what shop it was that had this thing because there was an archive and it was really great to just kind of dig through that and see um, you know, the pairings with the toys and the reviews and and there was just some really, really smart and actually very feminist writing going on there that I really appreciated. Oh, that
0: sounds so cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, now I can't remember what it was. So, old
0: <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, lists are so my great. best friends. I really, <laughs> I think it's fascinating that you said feminist too, because that is probably something I should have dropped in. That is a key to a good sex scene for me. Uh, I, all of them that I write and my favorite reads at the moment, you know, the hero is going to get the heroine off first before, you know, he does his thing, and I yes. think that I think that yeah. is really cool. Um I I
1: have a problem with dubcon. I can't read it. Yeah. Um and so I can't, you know, and obviously I can't write it. Um and so you, you know I so I do have very like that's just who I am and I mm-hmm. do think you know by its very nature and I've been dinged about this by people and it's very frustrating but I do think like by its very nature romance is Uh, reading romance and writing romance is actually one of the most feminist things you can do yes oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) and I you know and and I've been digging on it from both sides you know people who are feminists are sort of like that's trash and you know it's not you know because it's you know and the sex isn't even good sex and it's like well I mean you know who's to say whose version of good sex is, you know, and, you know, even with Dubcon, I won't read it. I won't write it, but I get that there are people that, um, that it appeal like there's appeal there. And I understand that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so I never want to sort of yuck someone's yum, because you know? <laughs> exactly. that's also not very cool.
0: <laughs> it goes back to subjective. No, it's not my thing either, but yeah. I know a lot of other people love it. I know a lot of people have said it has helped them, work through yes. their feelings about sexuality or, <clears throat> you know, sexual abuse. And it's like, if that works for you, that is great. For me, it is the opposite. I, I can't do it either.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I find it too, um, just too difficult to read. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are people that say, hey, it, it has helped me work through what you know xyz issue and it's like well you know you can't fault it you know you you gotta if you get if that is the way that you find your empowerment like grab it grab it and go you know I mean that that I think is like the most important thing yeah um I do know that you write inclusion Mm -hmm. um in romance and urban fantasy and I think that this is a really important conversation to have particularly as we are on kind of the tail end or or uh, well, not tail end, it's over, the Vivian Awards happened, oh. and I know that, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I know we both start laughing, um, and um, Sarah Whitney, who has been a guest on Steam Scenes, she's one of the first ones, and, and I adore her, and I know, she, she is so sweet. won, isn't she fabulous, and her yeah. books are so great, and she won a Vivian um, I, I forgot the, the what, mid, mid-length or something like that, I think was yeah, the think category, so. and and she turned around and gave it back um, yeah. the next day, and and resigned from R, R, RWA, which um, I resigned a while ago um, and didn't go back, mm-hmm. and so I, I just, because it, I guess there was, uh, in the Christian romance category, there was oh, a very yeah. problematic book. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Ouch. Er. Um, for you know, because you do write inclusive um, and multicultural, what do you want to experience? I'm assuming you read you read as much as you can as well. So, what do you okay. want to experience as a reader and as an a- author? Like, can we dig into this a little bit, I, 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 please? <laughs>
0: um, I think that what you're writing and what you're reading should hopefully reflect. The real world, and I'm yeah. sure there are some spaces that are full of you know upper middle class or wealthy straight white people only. But and I'm sure it has a spot. But the rest of the world, you know, is not like that. And I like correct writing and reading all points of views. Um, I think that a lot of marginalized groups. Are not represented in the publishing industry period and that needs to change and bring all of that perspective and that talent in so and that is I'm with you that is a problem RWA has had I went ahead and re-upped mine when there was the first you know let's drag out all the dirty laundry thing which did need to be aired And I went ahead and stayed because I am part of the multicultural chapter and a local chapter, both of which I like. And, you know, there were all the promises that we're going to do so much better. We're going to institute diversity training. And they have tried that. And clearly from the Vivians, we have learned that it did not work. So, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, when all of that shit hit the fan the first time with Courtney Milan, I had Ooh. actually just signed on to be a reader for the, uh, Golden Hearts, yeah. um, which I had never done. And I was like, well, let me, let me give this a go. And I did have to go through, um, a diversity and inclusion right. seminar online mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I thought was really not good. Yes. And then the shit hit the fan and I just pulled out and I said, forget it. I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it was, it, there was just a lot of like problems and issues there. And I, I applaud the ones who stuck it out. I really do. Um, I was just like, I don't get enough from this group to like keep going here so I can just, you know, step away.
0: Basically. Um,
1: yeah, <laughs> um, because you do write in this sort of multicultural world, I struggle in terms of, like, own voices. Mm -hmm. Um, And as much as I want to write a world, I also know that this is not, like, my world. So I don't want to also take that world from somebody who is writing that experience. How do you balance
0: that? Um, I think the best way I ever heard it put, and I don't remember who said it, and I wish I did so I could give them credit, was... um, if you don't have a group of friends in that group, you don't need to be writing it.
2: I mean, okay.
0: I think that is probably just the bare baseline right there. If you do not know and regularly interact with people from whatever group it may be, you, you probably should not touch that. I think it's also very important to have sensitivity readers. So, okay. The reason, too, I was very worried about because the hero is Jewish and I wanted to do a good job. I did not want to, you know, support stereotypes. And so I did have um, several sensitivity beta readers for that. And of course, I still worry about it.
1: Yeah, it's hard not to. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was yeah, you know, I I I do always worry, um, but I also know that I want to I want to reflect the the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah you, you know, we're it's not a straight white, you know, cis hat world. Mm-hmm. And um and I think that it's important to to reflect that for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wanna dig into your sex scene. <laughs> Agent Zero from the Region 2 series. Um, why did you pick this scene? Because you said it was between this one that I have and the one that took place on a roof <laughs> outside. So what was it about this scene that you picked?
0: Um, the difference between the two was really kind of length. The first one on the roof was their first sexual encounter. It was fairly early in the relationship, and it was just kind of one of those blowing off steam things. Um you know, the heroine was like this guy that so <laughs> uptight. He's he's going to throw a quad or something. You know, hey, do you want to go on the roof and have sex to chill out? But, so <laughs> there was more setup for it. Whereas the second scene was also fun, but they were more into their relationship. So you, you could kind of, you know.
1: Okay, skip. so <laughs> so they've already at another point in time have had sex together. Yeah. Is that am I? when we get to this point. Okay, so can you uh, set this up for us a little bit? Where um, where are we in the story, and why are they about to go for it in this particular instance?
0: Um, this one is a little bit later in the book. Like I said, it is before the dark moment, and with this one, we had, you know, the vigorous, you know, fun rooftop sex, and <laughs> this scene is also fun, but it is closer to the point where um, the hero is... He is this, you know, social media star. He is always on the move. You know, he comes from this upper-class family. You know, he's used to having nice things in life and traveling. He cannot stand to be tied down. And he's having that moment of, oh, shit, I think I'm falling for this person who has to, like, basically leave no um, footprint in the real world, you know, social media, and, you know, they're, they're super secretive, blah, blah, blah. I don't agree with their... Their techniques their rules so that's what he's dealing with and the heroine in this story I wanted them I didn't want the um, you know jaded oh my god I've been forced into this monster hunters I wanted them to be like this is the coolest job in the world and she (laughs) believes that you know her team is her family literally and she can't understand why she's attracted to him because the way she was raised their team should fulfill all of their emotional needs and then if you want to have sex you know you have sex with someone that is in your company but outside your team it's just you know like a blowing off steam scratching itch kind of thing so she is really trying to um wrap her head around I want to I want to do more than just have sex with him once you know I, I don't even I'm not even sure I like this friends with benefits thing so that's what they're where they're at in this scene. so it is more intimate.
1: Now does he know at this point what she does?
0: Yes, from the from the get go. Um, I love flipping the tropes and someone one of my beta readers said, you know, this is like, you know, rescuing the damsel, except the hero is the damsel. <laughs> so you know it's a, <laughs> in the very opening um, opening two chapters, she saves him from a rampaging cryptid and, you know, gets him home. So he, cool. he, he knows okay. firsthand what world she lives in, and he's like, This is entirely too fucked up for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, How is he handling it? <laughs> I, I had I'm so guessing much not fun well. With this though, because this hero, he just does not give a shit. He swears, you know, every other word. He is very open about wanting to be the best at what he does and and being arrogant and you know wanting he just he's a lot of fun and so you know when she saves him from this thing he's like people are insane this cannot be happening this is obviously some big pharmaceutical thing that escaped from their lats and you're their henchman out to hide it
1: oh my god that's fantastic I absolutely love it. I also love that he's this sort of like, you know, made from social media, mm-hmm. and she has to live her life like completely under the radar. Mm-hmm. And what a like what a dichotomy you're setting up! Like such a so two totally different worlds. Never mind the monsters. Yes.
0: You know? <laughs> the monsters are okay.
1: extra fun. <laughs> we just like to blow shit up. <laughs> <around> exactly. <here. laughs> Okay, I'm going to start reading. Okay. <clears throat> um, oh, I should say, we are in his head. Yes. Um, we are, we, this is from his point of view. So, um, The room had an ethereal, otherworldly feel. The illumination coming from a couple of neon-filled glass sculptures, one a deep coyote, the other a purple cactus. Leave it to V to employ kitsch art he'd seen on roadsides glowing against the desert night and aimed at impulsive tourists instead of ordinary lamps. There wasn't one damn thing ordinary about Victoria Ramirez. The neon haloed her like spotlights trained to an, to accent a piece of art. Do you remember what I promised you on the rooftop? His question came out more as a growl. V's eyes widened for a moment, then cleared, leaving satisfaction rising to meet his challenge. You said you would go down on me one day. He meant to give her another kind of satisfaction. This is the day. Oh my God, I love the setup. It's is so hot. Um, <laughs> and I really love the specificity of place. Like, even though I was sort of dropped in in the middle of this, um, I was kind of like, oh, the, like I could really kind of see where they were. And it did feel, um, it actually kind of felt like a pretty stark, like cheap hotel. Um, but I'm guessing that it was uh, not as transient as that.
0: Um, no, it is actually her room in their, their base. They have, you know, like a compound right. base kind of thing just for her team. They actually have several that they rotate through, but this is their primary one. And she is just, despite having to stay under the radar all of the time and not really interact with the public, she's fascinated by everything pop culture. You know, she gets everything she knows about like romance and dating comes from, you know, binging rom-com movies. So she has all of this, you know, kitschy pop culture stuff all over her room.
1: Oh, that's super fun. I'm kind of curious. Does that come back to bite her in the ass? It in does. In terms of like where she gets her. It does. Like, oh, is she like, wait, this didn't happen in
0: yeah, it's, whatever across the movie. Entire, across the entire series is, you know, cause it's, follows her and her sisters and her brother on this team. And, you know, this is the main source for all of them. And she even says at one point, you know, she asks the hero, you know, is this really a thing or is this just something that TV writers put in? We, we never really know. And so th- there's a whole lot of, you know, learning to communicate with each other because they have, they do not have a similar upbringing. They don't have anything in common to begin from.
1: That's really wild, because you kind of have, like, this fish out of water water story, but it's, like, the real world is, like, where she's a fish out of water, you know? Like, that's that's super cool. I really love that. Okay. Now we're getting to the good stuff. He reversed with both palms flat against her hip bones and slid his hands up from her waist to the bottom of her tee, traveling over soft, cocoa-butter-conditioned skin interspersed with rougher scars. When she made an interested noise, he kept going, bringing the shirt up as he went, She raised her arms and he got the fabric out of their way, tossing it aside. Her nipples already showed under the cotton of her bra. He bent, catching and sucking, his fingers tugging on the other peak. V arched into his hands and he gave himself over to worshiping the breasts he hadn't spent enough time with by half on the roof. He played along the top of the bra and freed both nipples, then pressed her breasts together, taking both nipples in his mouth. With his unoccupied hand, he cupped between her legs, fucking loving that she ground against his palm and that she'd already soaked through they were doing this his way and tonight his way was slow he let go and laughed when v swore then carefully brought the bra over her head and nudged her arm v took the hint and sat eyes open for him fuck v you are killing me here good (laughs) i loved how he thinks they're doing it his way and he's like oh you're killing me (laughs) And I love that this, this part like really kind of set up that dynamic between them and how the whole thing was so very sexy. You're really like, I mean, okay, so the, the scene is five pages, about 1200 words. Um, but I felt like you were really taking your time with this. Um, and as I'm writing these scenes, like, I always feel like sometimes I'm, I kind of rush a little bit through mm-hmm. them. And I'm wondering, do you go back and slow your pacing? Or is, are you able to kind of get this in one take, as they say in the movie
0: world? Um, there are a few details I will go back and add. Um, but mostly, like with my other writing, I have to go back and edit down. That was a very important lesson that I learned from Brighton Walsh, my mentor in Pitch Wars, you know, along with more sex, which you know, was her first commandment. It was, you know, cut the scenes down and uh, make them more compact. So I have to go back and do that.
1: Oh, can you jump back to the more sex part? Like how how much sex did you have before or little? And how, and how much did, they, did she want?
0: Um, the contemporary that um, we worked on they did not have sex till after, well, after the halfway point um, because the sex right. was like this, you know, big emotional moment for them. And she's like, you know, you, you have to you have to go back. We have to have at least a kiss by 25%, you know, and shortly after that, we need something. You know, work with me here. This is what most contemporary readers expect. You, you know, you, you have to think about genre expectations. Um, so I went back and wrote it in. And they did have sex, but it was one of those quickie ones. And she's like, this is a terrible mistake. We only did this because, you know, we were just so excited from the party. Now curiosity is satisfied and we're done.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, so it's not like there was like a hard, hard and fast rule. You need seven sex scenes in a book that is X, you know, 60,000 words long or wh- whatever, you know, but they, there is that sort of, you need like a physical something at around mm-hmm. 25%. Yes. And
0: that was another Ooh, thing that okay. I whined and moaned about forever because I do love a slow burn. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, like, oh, that would bug gosh. me.
1: Yeah. That would really bug me. And I don't know romance conventions. I've read plenty of books where nothing happens until well after mm-hmm. that 50% point. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's more like the common. attraction is there, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is what I love to do. But you know, she had a she had a point with that, and I I think a lot of the contemporaries that have come out in the last few years have pushed that. They have pushed you know the sex, whatever form it takes, back. I and mean, that's really interesting. It kind of coincides with those um, illustrated covers instead of photo covers.
1: Hmm. Oh, that's an interesting point. Sort of the style of the covers have mm-hmm. changed, and yet also the um, the interior in terms of how quickly um, we're getting to the sexy bits. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I'm gonna have to like take another look because I do think for mine, um, generally speaking, I do a slower burn. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, um, and if it happens in the beginning, it's always like, whoop, that was a mistake. Yes. shouldn't have done that.
0: Yeah, but what was I thinking? Because otherwise, like, again. what? Do you,
1: yeah, because otherwise, like, what are you writing
0: towards? Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's... I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I could be completely wrong, but
1: for me, I'm like, I don't know what I'm writing towards, especially if you're not letting me blow things up or shoot things. Yeah, no. like,
0: so, like, what... <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you're killing me, Smalls. Come on. I know. <laughs> got a girl to break, would you? <laughs> Okay, last bit. This
1: a, a bit of a long one, so brace. Fuck, but she didn't hold back. Her directness and the new throaty purr in her voice was a what was as sexy as was a was as sexy as her spread open in front of him. He got back to business, keeping the kisses and contact light. Later, there would be time for teeth and testing limits. He worked along satiny skin, drunk on the perfume of the lotion she'd applied. At the top of her thigh, he switched sides, ignoring the restless way she arched, inviting him in. This time, when he hit the top of her thigh, he kept going and caught the last bit— that tiny scrap of fabric between his lips and her sex, and breathed over the spot. V groaned and he gave in, jerking panties down, bearing everything to his starving gaze. Damn, but you are beautiful. He circled her clit, also loving the slick dampness he discovered, loving it even more when he had to slide his hands up her thighs to hold them open when she clenched. Switching, he licked over her clit, plunging in, flicking, then circling again. V quivered, her muscles in her legs trembling. He dared a look up. Her head was tipped back, arms braced against the locker's edge and back arched in a taut, graceful arc, unselfconscious and living in the moment and making it her own in a way few people ever tried. If his cock wasn't already hard, the look on her face would have sealed his fate. He locked his lips over her sex and devoted himself to pushing her past the brink. He wanted wanted her to lose herself, even if it was only for a few minutes. B, she got out, arching off the locker. He caught her hips, and she grabbed his shoulders, fingers digging in. He braced her, and she rode the orgasm, head thrown back, one long line of brown skin from her perfect throat to her perfect flexed toes. Once the aftershocks wore down, he placed a light kiss on her hip bone and sat back on his heels. He kept a hand resting on her knee, not ready to lose contact. When I read this, it was literally just after I wrote my own oral sex scene. And I was like, damn, I have to go back and rewrite it, because I'm like, I was half as hot as this one. <laughs> tell me everything. How'd you do this? Okay. <laughs> so how did you do this? Uh, <laughs> tell me everything. Um, but honestly, I did actually love how we were watching it through his eyes mm-hmm. in this particular moment, and it became about what did he see and how much pleasure does, that, does her pleasure give him? And I was like, oh, maybe I need to re like mm-hmm. rewrite my scene from his perspective. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, maybe his perspective would be good for that. Because I just, I, I really loved reading this from his perspective. Um, you know, and particularly since you did get that sort of emotional, you were getting the emotional connection between, mm-hmm. that was sort of going on between them and from his point of view.
0: It was fun to write. No lie. (laughs) I think that I like urban fantasy and paranormal when it comes to romance because there is less of a power imbalance maybe between the couple. Um, You know, maybe here's this big guy or this, you know, tiger shifter or whatever. But she is also, you know, in this case, like a trained kick-ass soldier or, you know, is a creature herself. So that, that power thing is kind of equal with them physically. Okay. I do, yeah,
1: I I can see that. I really do like um, shifting or equalizing the power Mm -hmm. dynamics in in romance. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that it can be very hard to find. And, um, you know, I I write rock star for my contemporaries. Mm -hmm. And so what I have done a lot of is you know, it's not always the hero that's the rock star. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the heroine needs to also have a career, Mm -hmm. whether she's a rock star or she's guiding a career or she's, you know, whatever it is, she's not necessary. And I don't want to say never, but she's not necessarily going to be that sort of waitress or bartender or, you know, nanny, which I've, Mm -hmm. I've read a few of and they've been really good, but that's just not my, my jam. Like I want her, her to be just as career focused and career minded as the hero yes. and you know in terms of conflict that can also serve as a source of conflict between them because what happens when she goes out on tour what happens you know so so there's a lot that can sort of you know happen there um oh, that sounds fun. you know so yeah <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I I love my I love my rock stars um I actually haven't written one where she's the rock star and he's a civilian, um, which I think is going to be um, pretty soon. I'm going to be doing one of those pretty soon because I just think that there's some, there is some like, you know, great, there is great potential there for the. What do you mean you're going on tour? You know, <laughs> what do you mean you're leaving for a year? You know, eight months or whatever it is when you go on tour. So, yeah. um,
0: I will be one clicking. You know, know, and and so you know. Oh. <laughs> thank
1: you so much (laughs) Um, so yeah this was gorgeous this was such a great scene um, and thank you for sending it to me and anytime you've got like five pages of just like oral sex on the page it's like I'm there for that now you're going to go back and do my page count (laughs) so what's next for you what do you have coming
0: Um, the second book in this series Agent Down Comes out at the end of this month, um, and it is slated for October 31st. The third book in the series, so that that is planned wow. for the rest of this year. I mean, well, don't get okay, all excited so- and think that I am like this prolific writer who writes fast. No, I, I wrote all this stuff last year and the first part of this year. That's the only reason I have three things to come out this year. <laughs>
1: I'm not yeah, I was lie. gonna say. So you write fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got, I think I got what three books out last year, and then a fourth this year. I, I basically got four books out within twelve a twelve month span, and it and everyone was like, "Wow, you write!" I was like, "Yeah, two of them were done. Yeah, like yeah. done, done, and one was like halfway through, and then like I ran out of books, and now I'm like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. Like now this is a little bit more like my pace. Like you're lucky if you get two two a year out of me. Yes.
0: <gasps> I mean, really yes <laughs> oh, I feel you
1: I know, I know. Do you, I'm curious do you have sort of uh, one of the things that I want to get better at is um, and I've talked to other writers who do this is they actually like set so much up in advance in terms of deadlines and I'm I don't know like I feel like oh my deadline were, you know for my last book like I was like I'm going to be done by May no I'm still <laughs> not done it's, all, it's August. Still not done. Still yeah. not done. Um, do you, do you do you find I you know I know you're writing tr- for trad and so you're up against deadlines all the time. Um, how do you manage that?
0: Um, calendars and I have a very complicated relationship. <laughs> mm. <laughs> deadlines are good to make sure I get my butt in gear and do it, but. I like them better when it comes to like, okay, the story is done. And now I have this deadline to get it out to my critique partners, get it back, you know, work on it, maybe send it out to a second batch, then send it to the editor. When I'm like writing, writing the story, having a deadline feels like so much pressure. Yeah. And I think for me, that can like really mess with my creativity too.
1: Yeah, I think that it, and knowing, knowing that I struggle with the conflict, so, you know, I've, you know, had, I didn't have a full sense of the conflict in my latest work in progress until I was about 60,000 words in.
0: Yeah.
1: And I don't know, I, I don't know if you're a plotter or a pantser, I'm a plantser, so I plot yeah. and then I pants. Yes. Yeah. Um. I, w- do. You, are, are you the same way?
0: I will have, like, these 14-page outlines, but then there are, like, squiggles and arrows and stars drawn in. Where <laughs> like, Okay, there is no real reason for them to do this, and I just figured out what it was. So this is why that happened. So, yeah, I'm that hybrid ticket. It's like, I'm really bad tickets. Most of the stuff on the outline that I do write down is all the fun, sex, and emotional stuff. And then it's like, man, I need to figure out this uh, exterior plot and why they've been thrown together.
1: Oh! Uh-huh. You know, it's really funny because I actually find the exterior plot is what I work on first, and then I end up throwing it all away when I get... Because I don't really... Like, I just throw the whole thing out. Because I don't really get into the emotional part uh, pieces of the characters until I'm way into writing because I just feel like I don't understand them enough.
0: Mm-hmm. I will say I you know, and even back what, a lot and will flesh out characters yeah. because... I think I think a lot of writers do it. We get to know our characters as we write. Yeah. And then when you yeah. have a better feeling, like you said, 60,000 words in about who they are and what they are, you can kind of go back and tweak it.
1: Yeah, because I, I never know. And, you know, oh, well, you should be writing these long character whatever's. And I do, you know, I do. But it's really, it's really the process of discovery. Like, well, wait, why would she react like that? And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's because, you know, Her mom was, uh, in my latest work in in progress, for example, I kind of, like, came to, oh, well, her mom was a pageant queen and wanted her to be a pageant queen. And so this is what she's fighting against. And, you know, so it was sort of, like, this whole, where I was able to, like, then go back and write a few, like, origin story scenes for her that I'm probably not going to use, but it really helped me figure out this character. And, like I said, 60,000 words in. Mm -hmm. You know, I would have never come to that at, you know, page one. I would have never
0: I so, respect I'm, I'm writers a bit that have it all nailed down, whether it is in their head or in their outline before they start and know their characters and their conflicts inside out, but not one of those people.
1: Yeah, me neither. I, I need time. I need, I
0: need time. time. I do too. <laughs> I don't know how it is with you, but for me, outlining the story takes more time than writing the story.
1: Um... I think not for me necessarily because I get very impatient at the outline part mm-hmm. and I just want to write it. Mm-hmm. So I, I tend to, and this is probably my problem, well, this is why I'm a planter. Um, I, I tend to kind of zoom through the outline so I have a general idea of what's going to happen. Um, but um, but then, it, like I said, it all falls to shit anyway. So, <laughs> By the time I really get in there, I'm like, yeah, okay, wait, what? <laughs>
0: yeah, sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> so where is your favorite place to hang out online? Where's the best place to find you?
0: Um, I am on Twitter a lot. That is my my preferred home on social media. And of course that's where all the pitch war stuff and all of that those good things go down. Um, but you can also find me. On Facebook, I have a Facebook author page, just Janet Walden West author. Um, and I'm building my street team. I would love to have fans come hang out with me there. And if you want oh, to see cool. lots and lots of cute dog and chicken pictures that have nothing to do with writing, I'm on Instagram too.
1: Chickens? You have chickens? I have chickens. Oh, that's so cool. I, I have turned into that's one so of those,
0: cool. those cliché chicken ladies. Oh, so yeah.
1: chickens and, and dogs by the way what kind of dogs do you have if they're show dogs
0: I have Australian shepherds oh cool
1: I'm so glad you weren't like Pekingese because I like my big dogs no, I
0: love dogs I love, you know dog shows I love all the dogs just bring them on but no I I like um bigger dogs too that that get in less trouble
1: Uh, Well, I mean, (laughs) my beasts are are very badly behaved, but that's, you know.
0: So are mine, you know. My fault. I, I love, I love, I call them my puppy people, but, you know, the people that have, you know, dogs from me that are involved in sports and stuff. And, you know, there, it's a lot of performance stuff because Aussies are so active and so smart, you have to give them something to do. Right. It's kind of like having a right. precocious child. And I love all of my puppy people who are, like, you know, sending me pictures. Oh, yes, we got, like, our CDX this week with a 200 score and everything. And uh, my son will just turn around and be like, why don't our dogs behave like that, Mom? And it's like, just shut up. <laughs> They're fine. <laughs> We're not gonna talk They're about fine. that. So, <laughs>
1: so do you show them? Yes. You yes. actually show them? Yes. Oh man. Yeah. No. That's that's a lot. That's a lot of work just to train them.
0: Oh, it is. It is, and you know Aussies are one of those breeds. If they were, you know, the heroes in a romance novel, it would be like you need to get this grumpy, grumpy hero out and socialize him with some sunshine heroine. <laughs> oh, do they get like that? Yes, they do. You know, they're the overprotective guys in the shifter romances. Oh. <laughs> No, 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 you need to back off. The UPS guy is not a threat.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, and you need the whole family, like, you need the whole household on board if Mm -hmm. you're training, like, that's the thing that drives me, because I am, like, I try to be strict with my dogs and train them and be, like, no, behave, and then, and then my partner comes home, and he's just, like, lets them, you know, I mean, he'll, like, he'll be taking them on a walk and he'll pinch one of their asses so that they'll start running. And he thinks it's great fun. And I'm like, great. And then they pull with me on the leash and they nearly kill me. I've got 200 pounds of dog that I'm dragging around. Uh-huh. The neighborhood. <laughs> so it's just like impossible for, you know, for me to completely like have, have my dogs behave. And then, you know, they're so ridiculous. Like sometimes I'll let them off the leash. Um, Cause where I am can be, can be rural. It's a, like kind of a summer community so Mm. we don't do it in the um in the summer um but uh but you know they'll run around like lunatics and they'll eventually come back to me after I'm calling 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 and they got these goofy ass (laughs) looks on their faces and they're just like we're just having such a good time and you're just like oh oh, you too like. I love them they're mutts. they're they're not show dogs like
0: Well, show dogs don't necessarily behave well either because, like, you know, the thing that I think (laughs) irritates most owners is, like, you know, my dog jumps on me all the time. And it's like, okay, well, let me tell you how to stop that. You know, that is a terrible habit. And then here are my dogs. Here are every one of them with their paws planted in my chest going, Mom, I missed you so much. (laughs) Yep. because it's just so
1: cute isn't it it is it's like
0: but look they missed me so much
1: it's like oh you love me yeah I know I know And like oh you shouldn't have your dogs in bed with you and I'm like you're right well now my dogs are like yeah no we want our own beds and so they don't get in the bed with us anymore and I'm like I miss the dogs why aren't the dogs here well, in the bed with us? Why do the dogs want to snuggle?
0: Uh-huh. That is my one hard line, because basically, it's like everything else in the house, the property belongs to the dog, so the couch and the bed are mine. Yeah. Y'all, you have everything else, <laughs> these are mine. So, you yeah. know, and then the dogs. Well, is, I gave the know, dogs, like, one cushion on the, on the couch. You let the cat yeah. on the bed, you know. Yes. It's like, you left the cat on there. Wants the cat better yeah.
1: than me? Oh, you have shepherds? Do you have Australian shepherds with a cat? <laughs> I love that that's just a sigh. Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. You're going to come back and tell me about this. So <laughs> we're going to come back and we're just going to talk about our pets the whole time. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: we can do that, no problem. Excellent, excellent. Janet, thank you so much for doing this. It was really great fun to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five-star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.